Isn't it good to be with the Lord? Good to spend time with Him and to be together with Him. It's so important that we get together. I've mentioned that many times and haven't said it from the pulpit in a while, but it is good as a church. It's good to gather as His church, as brothers and sisters together. It is so important to the life that we live as Christians that we gather. So I just thank you, Lord, for being here with us, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Dawn and I, we opened the doors to our house about six to seven years ago, but then more people around probably the six-year mark started coming, and we just said, the door is open, and the table is set, and we're here, and that was it. That's all we did. Just said, the door is open, and and come and go as you please. So we're just going to keep doing that, aren't we? We just open the doors, and we just keep coming, right? Amen. So I just thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you have a word prepared for this people today, Lord. I pray that you would take this word, Lord, and you would put it in our hearts, Lord, supernaturally. Put it inside of us, God. We need an impartation, Lord. We need you to do it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I just want to open to a book that we don't read very often, but I want to open to the book of Joel, chapter 2. Who knows the book of Joel? And there's an amazing prophecy in the book of Joel, chapter 2. And there's many, many layers of it. But let's just look quickly at Joel, chapter 2, verse 23. Joel 2 23 says, rejoice. Everybody say, rejoice. Rejoice. Right? He says, rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God for the rain. Everybody say, the rain. rain. He's sending rain. The Lord is going to send rain again, and it demonstrates His faithfulness. There's a faithfulness, a faithful rain of God that is coming. He said, once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as, who's aware, of the rains of spring. Anybody aware of the rains of spring? We've had a rainy, very rainy, extremely rainy spring. I just got stuck in my own, off the side of my own driveway because of so much rain. And Dawn and I had to pull the box truck out together. She drove the box truck I drove the pickup, and all of our move, I didn't even have a tow strap. I had no idea where it was. I had to go get a tow strap, and we had to put our phones on speakerphone, and we're both driving together and get the thing out of the mud. Thank God we didn't have to pay the money for a tow truck, and we did it. Dawn's officially a farm girl. She got a little bit of land. She got some rubber boots, and then first thing she does is goes out there and plays in the mud in a truck. So I'm aware of the rains of spring. But the rains of spring are good. Who has noticed how green everything is? It is so green. There's zero fertilizer on this lawn. I promise you they don't spend any money on fertilizer on that grass. But it looks like when the grass is heavily fertilized, right? It's so, so green because it's got so much moisture. Rain is good. We need rain. Without rain, what happens? Right? What happens to that same exact grass without rain? It turns dead and dry, right? It goes lifeless. It goes brown. It actually, it's even comfortable for your feet, right? When it's soft and there's rain, the grass is nice to walk on. Who likes walking on dry grass, right? It hurts your feet. And so the rains of spring, he said, I'm going to send them again. And verse 24, and the threshing floors, everybody say threshing floors, Try to say that 10 times fast. And there will be again high with grain. The presses will overflow with new wine. Everybody say new wine and olive oil. He's going to send the rains again. We have the word. That's the grain. And we have the Holy Spirit. We have the life. We have the rain, which is the spirit. And we have, he is also the new wine, and he is the oil. The grain, without the oil, right, we have, who wants to eat just dry bread? 
but the bread goes with the wine. It goes with the oil. It's a meal. We need the Word of God is so reliant on the Spirit of God. The Word was breathed through the Spirit. In fact, it's been said if you have too much Spirit, you just get weird. You have too much Word, you just get dry. We need the Holy Spirit who breathed the Word, right? He's the one who breathed it in the first, first place. If we then try to go read His Word without Him, it's very dry. And who has been in dry seasons in your life? Who's gone into dead seasons in their life? Do you know winter is notoriously a depression season? You know why? Because there's just such lack of life. You're stuck and you're cooped up. And in some, there's moisture, but yet the ground is locked up in other ways. But without that spring of life, without, without the freshness, the sunshine, the, that spring rain, that without that life, it's uh, it, that, that deadness. In fact, that's really what winter is. It's a dormant season, like a dead season. But many times we can actually go into those places right in the middle of summer. Right? We go into those places right in the middle of when the rains should be coming. Sometimes we just don't get it. And what happens? We go into a winter-like state. Everything just starts dying in a season that it shouldn't be dying. But we all get into those dry places. And the Lord promises that if we, in Joel, just some few verses before, it goes through a few things. If you will pray, if you'll fast, if the priests will weep before me, then I'll do this again. I will give you rain again. I'll come and touch you again. I'll have, give you an experience of my presence again. And I was just meditating with the Lord before today's service, and I said, Lord, it just has to be your word. I want to be led by your word. The word is being dissected in this season. It's, it's being dissected to such a state that there's nothing left, or it's being dissected in a way that's picking it apart and there's no life left. Who has seen both of those things at work? And neither of those things produce anything good. One is trying to find the, the truth with, with so little Holy Spirit that they're left with nothing but words. And the other is so afraid that the Holy Spirit's going to offend everyone that they, they leave him out and have so little left of the word that there's no life either. But we need the word, and it must be washed by the Spirit. It must be oiled by the Spirit. It must be filled. It's, it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit. And so as I was meditating this morning, I was thinking on Moses, who said to the Lord, and I say this many times in worship, he said, Lord, unless your presence goes with us, I'm not going. In fact, the Lord, depending on your translation, but it's pretty clear, uh, there may be some debate on who the angel was, but it says, I'll give you an angel. I don't want an angel, basically, he says. I don't want an angel. I want your presence. I want you to go with us. And the funny thing is, is that Moses literally talk about knowing the word. He literally wrote the word in that day. The only word that they had, he was the writer. Talk about the one who knew the word. And yet, without the presence of God, he wasn't willing to go. We need the presence of God. If we don't have the presence of God, there is no point in living. It is all about Him. We are wasting our time. We're wasting our energy. We're wasting our resources. We think we're building. We think we're doing. We think we're accomplishing. And sometimes people are just addicted to doing. We like to feel accomplished. We like to feel busy. Dawn can't watch TV and just watch TV. She has to crochet. You've probably seen her do it during Bible study too. It makes her feel accomplished while she's doing nothing. And that's fine. That's her hobby. I'm not knocking that. But there's a thing in humanity that wants to feel accomplished. We want to feel busy, right? We all, we all have some sort of hobby of some sort. And those hobbies are fine, but that it really reveals what's inside of us that we, like, we need to be doing all the time. 
It's, it's tough for us, even when we're sitting doing nothing we want to do, right? Especially today, everybody's got their phone while they're watching TV. Who holds your phone and scrolls while you're watching TV, right? We can't just do one thing. We always have to be doing many, many, many. So busyness is not the same. We can take that same thing that's in us as humans and bring it into the kingdom because it's in your humanity, and who knows, you are still human. Your spirit is living in a human body, and the human body will die. It will not go into eternity. You will not be taking your habits. You will not be taking your addiction to being busy with you into heaven. But in the meantime, if you don't subdue this body, it will try to rule as we talk about many times. Your spirit, though, is alive instantaneously, and I want to talk about that today. It is alive instantaneously with Jesus, and it can continually be alive. Come on, we need to be continually alive within that body, all right? So we are in this body, but if we're not careful, we will take those human attributes, we'll bring them into the kingdom, and then we'll just be busy. You know, you can just be, you can even be in your Bible times, you can even have quiet times with the Lord, prayer times with the Lord, church times with the Lord. You can read your whole Bible. Uh, Dawn, re- I'm sorry, I'm not picking on you today, but she reads her Bible every single year, the whole Bible at least once every single year. And you know, you can even do those things and just be going through the motions. We know that because when Jesus walked the earth, they knew the Bible at that time so well, they literally devoted their lives to it day and night. And yet they missed the living life. Jesus, the life of the very word that they were studying was standing in front of them in the flesh. And they not only missed him, but they called him Satan. They said that his works were of Satan. Well, that's funny. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Because I've been noticing a trend, and I don't want to really bash it. That's why I never say names. You know that. You can go listen to three years of podcasts. I don't say names for a reason. That's not my job. But I will say that there is a spirit out there today, religious spirit in this world today, that is accusing the works of Jesus as the works of Satan. They know the word so well, but Jesus doing anything is Satan. Come on, they did it to Jesus. Don't be surprised that they're going to do it today. And that's why we can't worry about that. Jesus was love. It was his DNA. I was just thinking how, you know, today we're messing with the DNA, right? Today we're going to do, we want this attribute, designer babies. We want it to be this, this, and that. We're going to make our babies now in test tubes. But I was just thinking, just a funny thought, just the way my mind works. If they took Jesus's DNA, they could get rid of all of it, and it would still be the same because there's only one thing. He's just got one strand to his DNA, and it's love. Jesus was love and only love, and yet as much as he was loved, you could dissect him, you could break down his words and try to just break it all apart till there's nothing left, but what you're going to find always is that it's love. And yet they still rejected him and put him on a cross and didn't want what he had to offer them. It is so important that we have what he offered. What did Jesus offer us? Yes, he gave us new life. He gave us eternity. He gave us many, many, many gifts. But specifically, he put himself on that cross as a payment for our sins, but then rose again and ignited the disciples with a new purpose. His cross, that took care of your sins. But Jesus rose again and came back down to the earth for another purpose. And it wasn't to remind you again of your sins. We looked at last week how Jesus never talks to Peter about his denial once. He just encourages him, asks him if he loves him, and gives him a new commission. Gives him a commission we don't want to hear. But nonetheless, it was the commission of the Lord. 
If Jesus tells me something like that, what he told Peter, one day they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Anybody knows those verses? You don't want to hear those words, but nonetheless, it was a commission from the Lord, and that's amazing. He doesn't condemn him. He gives him new life. So we must have what Jesus offered. Am I making any sense today? And what he promised us here in Joel was that there would be an overflow of new wine, of olive oil, that the rains would come and that the grain, which is the word, and I don't want to major on that today. I've preached about the word, the importance of the word so many times, and I'm going to get back into it after this series. But I really want to, in order to understand the word, you must have the spirit. You can't even receive the word without the spirit of God. The Bible even says that you can't even come to him unless the spirit draws you. You can't understand the word without the Spirit opening your eyes. It was those who had their eyes open. And there must be a, now there's a big debate on this, and I'm not getting into that, but there must be a willingness inside you for the Spirit to open. The Spirit will draw you, but unless you say yes, He'll just keep drawing you your whole life, right? He never, ever stops drawing. He never, ever, from the moment you're born, just begins to woo you to him and draw you and draw you and draw you and draw you. He's drawing you this morning, drawing you closer, always drawing us closer, always drawing us closer. And we don't have to say yes, but when we do, we have the benefit. And what he wants to give us is new wine. He wants to give us olive oil. He wants to rain on us again. And that will bring that grain to life. Come on, the grain, it only comes to life with the rain. The grain only has life with the wine, right? Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, the human wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But why does he use that analogy? Because there's an analogy here that the wine is what? The wine accompanies the meal. It brings joy. Too much wine brings pain. That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it brings joy. There's an initial, right, if you could control yourself, which most people can't, so I don't advise anybody go down that road. I'm going to tell you to go have wine. If you can have wine, I don't see it in the Word that you can't, but I'd be careful to just say, okay, I can go have as much as I want. But what is the analogy? And why does he compare it to the Holy Spirit? Because what does it do at a meal? Right? It accompanies the meal. It makes the food taste better. It makes you relaxed. It gives you joy. Right? But without it, it's just a dry meal. But we must have that wine with it to accompany it. And the oil they use for everything. It was, first of all, the food was dry. Right? They didn't have a million sauces like we do today. Right? We got a sauce for everything. Right? Whenever you order anything, I want nine sauces with that. But they had the oil. They had the olive oil. Yes, hot sauce on everything. They had the olive oil, and that accompanied the meal. It softened. It broke it down and made it edible. And also, they used it on their body. They used it on their feet. They used it on their hair. It took away the dryness. Come on, there's dryness. It's just us here today, but I want you to know something, that we're dry. Don't get offended at me. I'm putting, I said we because I'm in there. We're dry. The Spirit, I just feel from the Spirit of God that He wants to, I don't want to try to make something happen or wrestle. I refuse to do that. I refuse. I'll just stay before His face. I refuse to do it in the natural and then do it in the human sense. And I went through the book of Galatians, and He warns us, you cannot do it humanly. Spirit, it, it, we have to do it the spirit way. To get spirit, you got to be spirit. But if you try to do in the flesh, you're just going to get flesh. So I refuse to mind over matter or to muscle it out. Sometimes we're just tired and we're, we're, we're frustrated. And that's just in a, in a day or in a season. And, and honestly, that's okay. Be that. Just let your body be that. Because it's not your body. It's not your mind anyway. That's when you just got to get in his word more. You got to spend more time in his presence than ever. And don't worry if you fall asleep because Jesus is going to tell you, you couldn't you stay with me, awake with me one hour. But he also understands the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Understands our weaknesses. And the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, helps us with those weaknesses. 
But we are dry. Let's just be honest. I'm just, I've been sensing in the spirit. I said, it's me too. I, I just preached to myself. I was just saying to the Lord this week, I said, Lord, it was a lot easier when I didn't have to talk to anybody. I mean, I share the gospel always, always. Since I was a boy, I would share the goodness of Jesus with people out and about in my life, but I didn't have to teach anything. I was understanding it myself and figuring it out. And I had my whole life to do that. Just keep growing, keep changing, keep getting affected and et cetera. But now I have to bring it. So if it was just me, to be honest, I would just deal with the Lord. Lord, I'm dry and I need a touch from you. And yet also he called me to be this pastor of this church. And I know there's many that are listening that aren't here today, but are going to be listening to this and just know that the Lord has new rain for you. He has oil for you. He has wine for you. That'll help the word, which is already in you. Come on, this is a church that knows the word, but we need that word to come to life again. Come on, they knew the word, and yet they missed life. Life was right there. They got so obsessed with hand washing. Remember? Your disciples don't wash their hands. Meanwhile, well, they're not washing their hands. They're having a meal with Jesus. What would you rather do? Be religious or go have a meal with Jesus? I'd rather get sick from not washing the germs off my hands, but have spent the night with Jesus. And that's not even the point. I'm just exaggerating in modern terms. It says in Joel 2, in verse 28, then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit. See, what is this a picture of? Right, the picture of the wine, the oil, the water, the grain. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. The Lord wants to pour out his spirit on you. He wants to give you life again. God is not dead, right? Who's seen the movie? God is not dead. Sometimes we live a little bit like he's dead, though. And that's been mistranslated. People have, like, people have messed all that up. Generations have messed it up and said, well, you got to live rich. You got to be happy all the time to make God not dead. That's not what I'm saying. We need life within us that bypasses your natural circumstances. It's an internal thing that we need to happen. It has nothing to do with your external. It has nothing to do with your body, your mind, in the sense of, of your, your capacity, that is. What you know, what you think. It has nothing to do with where you are in life, your status socially or financially. It is a life within us that bypasses all of the natural. It is a super, it's a Holy Spirit, rather. It is super. It's a super spiritual thing. But it's a Holy Spiritual thing in us. I want to read three things that Jesus told us. Three things that we don't associate, but Joel associates. So let me just put it now into Jesus. Okay, so three things. Jesus said in John chapter 7, just quickly, verse 37, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Jesus said, all right, John 7, verse 37 says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said, look, at, so there's no confusion. <laughs> I love when the Bible defines itself. Don't you love when the definition is in it, the pages? Especially when it's the next verse. But it's always in there. You know, many times I hear stuff. People say things, and it sounds so smart about God or the Bible. And I'm like, wait a second, but I have to just think about that for a minute. Wait, a, just let me go look at it. And sometimes you go look, and you're like, that's not even what it says. But even if it does, the very verse before or after tells us exactly what the verse was saying. 
Sometimes we mess it up, but it says it right here, what the water is. When he said living water, everybody say living water. He was speaking of the Spirit. Jesus told us, John 7, that if you believe in him, then a river of living water will flow from your heart. And who is the water? It's the Holy Spirit who would be given to, who is that? Who's that category? How many people is the Holy Spirit given to? The Holy Spirit, whoever believes in him, would be given the Holy Spirit, that's everyone, and it would flow from their hearts as living water. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And I think that's significant that John pens that. John didn't need to say that. This is a little repetitious, this little extra little blip here of information. But why does he tell us that? To emphasize what he's going to tell us in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, that the whole purpose of life that you are still alive that Jesus came back and ignited his disciples was that he gave them the Holy Spirit. That he'll give you eternity, but on this earth, you know, you don't need living water in heaven. You don't need the Holy Spirit in heaven. I know that sounds like heresy. You know why? Because he is everywhere. He is that. I mean, it's just, you're going to be breathing in and you're breathing the Holy Spirit. You're going to be with, there's no more sun, right? Come on, there's no darkness. The only reason you eat or drink is just for enjoyment. You don't need to try to navigate the darkness of this world. You don't need to figure stuff out. You don't need them to sustain you. You don't need them to help you in your weaknesses because there's none of that. You just are and he is. Come on, he just, he is. He just exists. There's no beginning and no end, and it's beyond our comprehension. It's not, you're not even, it's not even that he, as our minds can't get it, but it's not even going to be that, they, that he's there and you're there. You're just one. I know that that's beyond our thinking. I can't, I'm not saying I know, I understand that of me either, but Jesus said it. What did Jesus tell us? Father, he prayed for his church with the promise of the Spirit here, this living water, the Spirit here. Jesus said, Father, you and I are one. We're one, and I pray that they would be one, just as we are one. You're one. So the Holy Spirit is given. He comes in. He gives you a well of water. He gives you life. He ignites you, but one day he won't even be in you. You'll just be one with him. I know. I'm just, I said it in words, but I know it doesn't make sense. I'm saying it anyway, but it's beyond our comprehension. But in this time, we need life. Why would he tell us we needed living water if we didn't need it? We need it. Jesus saw an issue that you're dry, that you're dead. Why would he call it living water? You know, it's interesting because the well and the water was such an an integral part of that culture. They lived in a dry climate. Without the water, you were dead, right? We know science can tell us today, three days without water, you're dead. You can live... On average, 60 days without food, but three days without water, you're gone. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting that he then tells us that it's the Holy Spirit that you need. Without him, just three days without the Holy Spirit, and you're already in deadness. Who's missed three days spending, spending time with the Holy Spirit in your life? Anybody missed that more than once? <laughs> if water, not in your system after three days calls you clinically dead, then in the spirit, why wouldn't it be the same? It happens very quickly, right? We get thirsty after, I mean, I had water this morning, but it's hot today. I need water again. But we need to understand the climate we're in. It is, it's hot. It's dry. It's dark. 
We need, we cannot navigate, we cannot exist without this living water. He promised it to us. If the Lord wrote a prophecy in Joel and said, I want you to prophesy that there's going to come a time where the Spirit's going to come again. He wrote the prophecy. Then he talks about it again here in the New Testament and then fulfills it. Imagine us living without it. I would say this is important to God. In Luke chapter 5, as we looked at last week, so I'll just read it, and I'm not going to preach it like I just did on the water, but in Luke chapter 5, verse 37, he said, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining you. New wine must be stored in new wine skins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. In Matthew chapter 25, and, and you can go and listen to the sermon on that. That was two weeks ago on the podcast. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, he tells us about the bridesmaids, about the oil. There's many, many, many things about the oil in the Bible, but I thought it was interesting how Jesus himself, Jesus himself talks about these things. He talks about the water within you. He talks about the wine, and then he talks about the oil, and he tells us here in Matthew chapter 25 that it says in verse 1, it'll be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were foolish. Everybody say five were foolish. Well, he tells us, how were they foolish? It says that the verse 3, the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But there was five wise, and verse 4 tells us that they took extra along. Everybody say, they took extra. In verse 5, it says that when the bridegroom was delayed, they all fell asleep, right? And I've preached that before, right? Even the Christians that are ready for him don't know when he's coming, right? Even though we're expecting him, he still surprises us. But at midnight, they were roused by the shout, and look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And the bridegrooms got up, and they, they, the bridesmaids got up, and they prepared their lamps, and the five... Foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. And later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return." And why is this so significant is because he is telling us that the oil, the oil in you, come on, first of all, and I don't want to, I don't have the time to preach on this specific, I just, I'm referencing it today. We can look more into this maybe in another time, but just quickly, it cost them something. In fact, even if you're not the one that has to pick the olives and then has to crush it and harvest that oil, they said in this parable, go buy some. One way or the other, it's going to cost somebody. It costs someone to make that oil. It's precious, and it has a purpose to keep light, come on, to keep you fresh, to keep you alive. It'll sustain you, and without it, it says that this is so amazing. That without the Holy Spirit, come on, we know the oil is the Holy Spirit, that without the Holy Spirit, you will even miss the coming of the Lord. That's how important it is. We dry up, we die. Three days without him, we're dead. <laughs> 
the new wine, you try to keep the old thing and just try to carry your flesh and try to keep going and try to say, okay, Holy Spirit, come, right? We die. Come on, what's the common denominator here? What's, right, and what's Galatians tell us? I just don't have time because I wanted to go through the whole book. Once you start going in one verse, got to go through the whole entire thing. And I tried to break it down as much as I could. And I'm in all six chapters and I have a chunk from each. And what's it tell us? The common denominator is that if you live by your flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will live. That the Spirit is life, that flesh is death. If you try to do it your own way, if you're not putting it all in, what was the a picture here? That they cared enough. They brought extra. They had a sustenance. They had a storage built up. Come on, there is, they had spent the time, they'd, or they spent the money, they gave it all. And you can look at it in the Word in many different ways. Jesus tells the rich young ruler, you haven't done one thing. You're this and you're that, but you haven't done one thing. Go sell everything you have and come follow me. To follow Jesus means to give it all. And when we do, the Holy Spirit comes in us and fills us. It's possible if we were to sit with Jesus and he could break this down even further, maybe he would tell us they didn't have room for more oil. Maybe they, didn't, maybe they were carrying too much other stuff that they also thought was important. I don't have room for more oil. Because it seems like, well, what do we need that for? I've got enough to get by. I got enough to get through. Come on, we can't just rely. We can't just spend time with the Holy Spirit and, and ask for him to open the word just to get through. But we must ask him, I need to last. I need to, I want to make it all the way through. I don't want to get dry and then, come on, what happens when you get dry? Let's look at, think about the oil, think about the moisture. How long does it take to fix dry? All right, who's ever had your lip split? Anybody? I had it split once just from being dry. It takes so long to heal. Prevention with using oil consistently would have been unnoticeable. And yet to bring it back takes so long, right? Who, once you start moisturizing, then you gotta, you're, you're moisturizing for, it would seem like for days and days and days. The dry, though, crept up on you. This is interesting. I just started uh, seeking the Lord about this sermon, and I heard a word, regeneration. I heard the word regeneration. And in fact, I went down a dark road. I didn't mean to, but once I got, I Googled regeneration because I knew it was in the word. Sometimes it's quicker just to Google it, tell me the verse, than it is to go in the Bible app. And then I didn't even realize that people have all these doctrines and theology. So I'm not touching any of that. If anybody here or is listening and you know the doctrine of regeneration, I'm not even going to touch any doctrine. I'm just going to say what the word says. And it says here in Matthew uh, 19.28, we hear it. And in Titus 3.5, we see this word regeneration, and uh, it is only found in those two verses, and this is what it literally means. It means new birth. It means to be changed by the, and produced specifically by the return of spring. So like a deadness, but then coming to life. There was a deadness, but then you started coming back to life. It was the restitution of all things. It means a change of heart. It means the passing from death to life. It be, means becoming new creature. And, it, and they're in the simplest form, it's being born again. But in the depth of it, as an, in a deeper meaning, it's more than just being born again. It's a complete renewal body, soul, mind, and spirit that the Holy Spirit does. And that's in Titus 3 verse 5, it says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. And this is what happened when He did it. It says He washed, everybody say He washed, right? That rain came down upon us and gave us life again. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And in the New King James, and, and in many of your tr more traditional texts, it actually says this word, regeneration, which the NLT is translating into more modern English, new birth, but there's more depth to it, which is the New King James says, the washing of regeneration and renewing 
of the Holy Spirit. That when there's a dry, dead thing, that's you, God is able to still find life within that. Come on, God is able to grab a hold of you no matter where you're at, if you will let him, if you will give him your life, and he will wash it away, and he will give you new birth and new life. And now most people think this is salvation. That's it. That happened at salvation. It happened once. It, you don't need to ever do that again. So I started doing a little meditating. I started seeking the Lord about this, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to preach what's not in your word, but that just doesn't seem right. Everything that I know about following you is continual washing, a continual renewing, not just a renewal, but a continuation of it. And so I started seeking his word and in Lamentations 3 verse 22. It says the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Verse 23, and you know this, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Each morning. The Lord wants to put a spring in you. He wants to give you new wine. He wants to give you oil. But it's a continual thing that we must do. And then as I was thinking just about springing forth, Isaiah, we have Isaiah 43 about springing forth, and we don't have time to look there, but he said, I'm going to do something new. Just started to seek the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is like, I'm going to do something new. I need to do new again. And people get weird about new, but the Lord is always doing new. Do you know that if you, don't, if you reject new, if the tree says, I like having no buds. I like just swaying in the wind without those leaves weighing me down. And those leaves are pesty because they get heavy and they actually can take me down. I just want to be myself. What happens? What do we do to a tree that doesn't produce leaves in the spring? We cut that thing down because it's dead. New is a part of God. He's always doing something new. In one respect, he's always the same because the DNA is in there all the time. But if you reject, if you don't let his DNA work, if you don't let what he put inside you, he put the Holy Spirit in you. And if you don't keep up on it and let it keep doing something new, what happens? We die. We get dry. We don't let that oil stay. We don't keep that, that wine as a process. If we don't Keep that thing working. Come on, are we making any sense? I'm trying to move quickly, so forgive me if I'm, if I'm not making sense suddenly, but I'm just trying to get through some things that I knew the Lord told me to say. We have to do it constantly. So the Lord gave me a picture, and I remembered whoever, who has found, every boy in here has, but maybe women too, you've seen them, but maybe you didn't touch it. Who found an old snakeskin? Who has found one in your life? When I was a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. It was like, that was a snake here. And the whole shape of it and the, and the you know, you could see the belly still imprinted onto it. And the, the scales on the skin. Dawn is rolling her eyes. <laughs> She's shaking her head. That's not cool to her. And so I was seeking the Lord about this and just talking about the newness of life. And he needs to, it's because we get stuck, just like that old wine, we get stuck in our old skin and the Lord's trying to do something new, but we're like, I like the way things are. And that's how religion happens. That's all religion is, is just doing something that someone else did or even you did yesterday. If you make it a pattern, that's religion. That's it. The simplest definition of religion is making a pattern out of anything that God has done or is doing in your life. There's no pattern in him. He's doing something new and he's always doing something new. So I started thinking about this. Wait a second. The snake, and I, this is maybe a little weird for you, and it's okay. You don't have to listen to everything I say or believe everything I say, but the Lord said, you need to shed your snake skin. I said, well, that's interesting because you know snakes are not the devil. The devil came in the form of a snake, okay? God still created snakes. I know they're creepy, but it still was God's creature. And the devil used that, that body. But when you see a snake, that's not a demon. It's still an animal. It's still something that he uses. But it's interesting, though, okay, with that said, 
I'm not saying all snakes are evil. If you have a pet snake, you don't have a demon in your house. But with that said, at the same time, the picture is that Satan did come as the snake, right? So the picture is Satan put himself into a snake and deceived. And sometimes we just need to just let the Lord just, he's just, you know, he's, I talk to people about it being like an onion too. He just keeps taking layers and layers off you to get to that core, get to your heart. He's after your heart. And if he can get to your heart, then the Holy Spirit can fully live there. Then he comes out of you in his fullness. Well, we got to get that skin off and that's hard. That's painful. Do you know, I was, as I was looking it up and studying it, Sometimes, do you know what the snake needs? This is interesting, getting the skin off. If the snake doesn't have moisture, it becomes hard to get that skin off. Come on, we need the moisture. It just washes away. Why do we shower? That's what you're doing. I mean, there's sweat and stuff in there too, and a whole bunch of other body particles washing it away. And in fact, a snake in the wild that doesn't fully shed it'll just start shedding another layer. You know, the Lord doesn't stop working and you don't fully deal with it. He's dealing with something else. And you're like, it just starts getting compound. You need to just get rid of that and just say, Lord, I'm new. it's new and fresh. And I read that they'll actually collect around their eyes and will make them blind. And I read that a blind snake is a dead snake. If you don't fully shed off, and it's going to keep happening. Come on, the process of life keeps happening. And if we don't shut it off, we go blind. If you go blind, you're dead in this picture. So regeneration is new birth. But I said, Lord, it has to, I'm not going to just preach what I think and what I feel and what I think you're speaking to me. It has to be your word. And I just started meditating on this. And I said, wait a second, Lord. You said you must be born again. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born again? He can't go back into his mother's womb. And what happens? A grown man becomes what? A little tiny baby. Even though you may know many things in the world. Remember Paul? He's like, I was raised and I knew this and I knew that. And I was this guy and I was, I was so smart in the things of God, in knowledge, in knowledge. And I decided I'm going to ditch all of that. In fact, he calls it dung and says, I'm just going to know Jesus. And then what happened? He began to grow brand new. He had to learn again. You can read that in Galatians. He had to go then relearn. He began to have a new growth so when we are regenerated by the Lord, in one sense, you're instantaneously like the man on the cross didn't have time to get new skin. He was nailed to a cross. And he went to heaven with Jesus because the salvation, the regeneration was instantaneous, but the living out would be a constant shedding off. So then this morning, I just quickly, when I got here, I said, wait a second, we have dead skin all the time. I'm thinking of a snake, but... I wonder how much skin we get rid of. And I looked it up. This is interesting, and I'll just close with this. Humans shed about 600,000 particles of skin every hour. 600,000 particles of skin times are in this air right now for this last hour. 1.5 pounds per year. A pound and a half of skin, not fat. We'd all love to give a pound and a half of fat back every year. This is just skin. Man, if, if we do that in the natural, and Jesus said you have to do this in the spirit, come on, it's very simple. This is a children's story. It's a children's book. We just complicate it. Regeneration's this. Don't go looking it up all these definitions. It's very simple. You are an adult, but you have to become a baby. And then you have to grow again. Come on, it's simple. We just have to get rid of everything we want. We have to unlearn it, unthink it, 
all the stuff we think and know and feelings and hurts and bitterness and pride. And then the Lord gives you new. Every time that old comes off, he gives you a brand new layer of skin. Do you know we regrow your entire body? Kelly would know this. Miss Nurse back there. Every 27 days, we have shed and regrown our, our entire skin. We get over 1,000 new skins in a lifetime. And at the end of your life, well, it's not the end of our lives. We're going to live for many more years. But the average life of 70 years, it's 105 pounds of dead weight. 105 pounds of dead skin have been shed off of you at the end of your life. Imagine trying to live our spiritual life and not let this process happen. Come on. The point is, who, if you are dry, <laughs> all that dryness is, you know what that dryness is? It's just dead skin built up. And it can be, it can happen in a quicker, you can make it quicker with drier air and, and chemicals and things like that, but that's just dead skin that needs to get off of you. Imagine living our spiritual life not having the washing, the living. I mean, it's a spring. You know, stagnant water is dead water. We need a spring. It needs to be living. It needs to be constantly washed. We need continual oil. We need brand new wine and brand new skins. And that's not once in your lifetime. That is not only at a supposed salvation moment in your life, but we are constantly being remade and reworked. And he's making and shifting you into different places in your life and different seasons. And, and every day we must get up and say, wash me again. I want new oil. I want new wine. I don't want yesterday's. My mind says that that's better because that's what I know. But I know that you know what's best for me. And I want fresh. I want new. I don't want to be stuck in my old thinking and in my old ways, even my old religion, and what I think that who you are, when I think I knew who you were yesterday, that's not really who you were. I was still learning. I know you more today. And you loved me there and gave me grace in my infancy. Come on, church, right? But now I know you more because I'm growing. And I'm not going to stay stuck as a baby. I'm going to let you keep doing it and doing it and doing it and growing. We just thank you, Jesus, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for you speaking today. You spoke your word. This is your word, Lord, and I thank you. Put it into our hearts, Lord. Plant it down deep in us, Lord. Don't let the enemy steal it. I thank you on good ground, Lord, soft soil, well-watered soil, so that it grows and produces fruit in the name of Jesus. Amen.